Hello and welcome back to the Comic Lyra podcast, the podcast that does deep dives into the best, worst and middest of comic books, graphic novels and sometimes mangas. I'm your host, the soon to be known as Comic Stan, and with me as always is my competitive co-host, it's Jamie. I think this is going to be a real slam dunk of an episode, Ryan. I don't know why you would say that, that just comes out of nowhere. Uh, I'm offended that you would, I don't know, I was trying to go like very anti your product placement of the <laughs> of the title Dude, i'm shooting for a three-pointer from half court, <laughs> half court here i'm lebron james i've got my air jordans on i've exhausted everything i know about basketball throw me the rock <laughs> that's all i've got and then i just pick dwayne johnson up from my cupboard where i keep him dwayne johnson is he basketball no, but he's The Rock. Oh, he is The Rock, yes. Oh, I, I thought we were still doing basketball stuff. Well, I mean, you took it to a different place. The fear you know? is, the fear is that we, I think our tangents go like, basketball, pass me The Rock, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, wrestling, Hulk Hogan, <laughs> that time he was really racist. Like, <laughs> we're like, wait, what were we talking about? <laughs> Back to the comic. <laughs> oh, man, you can't back to the comicus. We haven't gone into the comic yeah, like, That's fair enough. This is the fuck it. Back to the intro. Back to the intro. Um, <laughs> I was going to start this one with a little bit of news that I thought you mm. might find very interesting. Is uh, it about Alan Moore? No, for once. <laughs> well, then I don't care. Like, obviously, you I will, don't care. You will care. I think you'll care. There was a recent casting announcement for a comic book movie that's coming out is soon. Is it the human target? Is it the human target? Is it the human target? No, but it oh. might relate. It might relate. Is it John Hamm? No. It's... Well, if it's not John Hamm or the human target, why would I care? For those listening, you are you are hearing a live action ADHD <laughs> interaction. Let's go ride bikes. Exactly. <laughs> So there was a casting announcement from DCU for the Supergirl role. Yeah. Which is, it's actually um, the girl from House of the Dragon, uh, Millie Alcock. Who, Don't know who that is. Have you seen House of the Dragon? Nope. I'm surprised because you're a big Game of Thrones guy. Yeah, but I'm just waiting for the next book, you know? So you're never going to watch it. <laughs> well, I, so I read... It's not coming out. I read Fire and Blood, didn't I? Okay. Which is the book that the House of the Dragons based off of, right? And the book is so fantastic. TV show is pretty good as well. But I didn't want Benioff to ruin it for me. It's not Benioff. It's different people. Oh, is it? Yeah, not? they the fans would not have accepted <laughs> those two doing anything. I do else. like Matt Smith. Yeah, he's good in it. So uh, it's Matt worth Smith's watching. Good at everything. Yes, but the reason I'm bringing this up is she's being cast as Supergirl in DCU, and the reason Run. no. But the reason that's important is because this is the Supergirl that's apparently going to be very closely, if not almost directly based off the Tom King Woman of Tomorrow comic series. Oh, sick. And cool. because Tom King is being apparently quite involved in the next DCU film slate coming out, that's why we're one step closer to live action human target, hopefully starring John Hamm. It can only be John. I'm rewatching Mad Men at the moment. It can only be John Hamm. He basically is that character. He would be so perfect for it. Yeah. And did you have a comment to read out or something akin to that? Yes. So we have been telling our listeners for a while that we don't care how rude our five star comments are as long as they're five stars. And so one of our listeners, hello, if you're listening, thank you so much for the comment. I really enjoyed it. I'm I'm uh, filibustering my own podcast here while I get it up. I'll, I can just remove the silence if you want. No, don't do that. It's more fun this way. It's jazz. <laughs> Are you ready for the comment? I'm I'm gripping my seat. How dare you say anything with Logan and Predator is mid. Pair of dumbasses who wouldn't know culture if it slapped you in the face. Now, there's a couple of things with this comment. 
Mm. I'm a fan of the use of all caps to denote <laughs> that you are shouting. It's one of the few ways to get a tone across over text. But this person used all caps just for the and. Mm. So it implies that that's why I shouted just the and. So uh, if it was either, if it was just Wolverine by himself or Predator by themselves, he wouldn't care. But because it's both of them and we call them mid, that he took extreme umbrage with that. Well, I, th- that's the only way that this comment can be read linguistically. Yeah, of course. Also, uh, the very last um, clause, if you will, the last, the very last clause of this utterance mm. is, wouldn't know culture if it slapped you in the face, which implies... The collectively, we only have one face. Yeah, but or is he saying like a standing next to each other kind of? You know? Well, this is the thing, but there's only one face being slapped okay. here. Or is it a comment that's just generally directed to both of us? So in this, but as individuals, even so, if you if you were directing it to both of us at the same time, you would pluralize faces. That's only you're assuming that the person writing is doing everything grammatically correct, which in this day and age is unfortunately not the well, case. Well, either way, I'd just like to I'd just like to know that whilst I did find this comment highly amusing, there were some grammatical issues with it. Much like there were some uh, narrative and story issues with the Predator versus Wolverine comic. Exactly. There's a reason that is wallowing in mid midhood. 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 <laughs> is that like it's Midgard? But... <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a place that all the comics that we've deemed to be mid go, hmm. and so they just all achieve midhood. Yeah, like and but, they reside in Midgard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in the human world. Yeah, which just is looking up, which is at best mid based on current <laughs> current affairs and well situations. I mean, do you know what? If Britain could be mid right now, I'd be thrilled. That'd be good. That's that's a political um. That's a political slogan of like, let's get back to mid. Yeah, that's take- the British equivalent <laughs> of like, make America great again. It's like we're not we're not like outlandishly thinking we're going to be great again. Like, let's just aim for mid again, and we'll work from there. Underage children aren't even even going to be able to buy vapes in Britain soon. How sad is that? Yeah, I feel like the MAGA uh, phrase, as horrifically contextual as it is, based on everything it's you know related to, that would have done a lot better in, in England, I feel like. Because we literally, you could say, let's make Great Britain great again. Well, or let's something. make Britain great again. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, you know I work in a pub part-time. I'm aware. In fact, I've served you. Yes. Um, one I, of my I locals... I put my card in your face. <laughs> you did. You fucking <laughs> did. I nearly bit it off. Um, one of my locals came in the other day and he sat down and he's, he's a pint drinker, right? Like he sits at the bar and when his glass gets to like a quarter, I go, do you want another mate? And I'm already pouring him another beer because the guy likes his beer. No shame here. I work in a pub. That's what it's for. You go to a pub and you like beer? Yeah. Get out. (laughs) But he sat down and I was maybe halfway through pouring him a pint of his regular and he went, oh no, sorry. Can I get a, a bottle of the low alcohol ghost shit, please? I was like, oh, are you not drinking at the moment? And he went, no. And then I looked up and saw he was wearing a fucking MAGA hat. And I was like, <laughs> the fuck are you doing wearing that? But firstly, it's what, like a, an eight-year out-of-date reference at this point? I mean, the the unfortunate truth is it does seem to be going strength to strength. That's, that's well, the problem. Yeah. But I was like, you're not American. <laughs> We're in a very liberal part of a quite liberal city. I preferred you when you were drunk. (laughs) If this is what being sober does to you, matey, you need to start drinking again forthwith. And he didn't, he he wasn't losing a bet or something like that. He just kept smirking at me. He knew what he was doing. Right. He knew that he, like, so it was ironic. I don't, uh, do you know what? It was a busy Saturday night. And so I wasn't able to get into it 
with him to the level that I would have liked to have done. Everyone stop. We yeah, need to address everyone this. stop drinking. The record scratches. <laughs> um, I did have, I was I was there last night and one of my friends came in who's like, he only fucking writes for, a, he's the art editor for an electronic music magazine. Um, and he got really upset that I was playing the Smiths because he doesn't like Morrissey. And so I put some craft work on and he was like, oh, you need to, you need to try out this Krite Rock band. Nui? New? Um, spell any U exclamation mark and I was like yeah dope we'll put some on and the first track on this album was super like standard crack rock stuff and I was like yeah this is pretty good fun <laughs> but then it became like this weird experimental noise music where it was just silence for like 20 seconds and it'd be a bunch of beeps and boops but by this point I was line cleaning <laughs> <laughs> so I was in the back room of the pub like putting fucking pipes in buckets of line cleaner and shit for my boss and I came back in and there was five baffled old men just looking up at the speakers like what the fuck is going on and that would have been from that no craft work would have been from their kind of generation wouldn't it so yeah, it would have I been mean, that far off. I, I put on trans europe express which came out in like 1977 yeah like, exactly you know if you're cool and middle-aged you know who craft work are and speaking of cool back to the basketball which we both know lots about as we've established and basketball's very cool basketball is cool it's probably why we never got into it <laughs> there's a reason looking at you and i there's a reason that we didn't get into basketball ryan and it's because neither of us stand over five foot ten yeah but not the, f- <laughs> the fans aren't all tall like that i've discovered have you d- have you done some research i looked into it and it's like <laughs> turns out there's no height requirement for being a fan of it so <laughs> and i looked at that and i went I'm still not into it. <laughs> I really like the idea that when you buy an NBA ticket, you have to go for those, one of those, are you tall I, enough Are things? you this tall to see the game or something? <laughs> no, my my closest uh, experience of basketball was watching the Last Dance documentary, which is very good. For someone who's not into it at all, I found it quite entertaining. The Last Dance documentary? So it's a documentary about Michael Jordan um, and the Chicago Bulls. Mm. Basically, they won a shitload of... Uh, yeah, like ninety, like 95 through about 99, right? Yeah, like, I don't know if those are the exact years, but around that kind of time. Not Mid-90s to early noughties, the yeah. Chicago Bulls just won everything, didn't they? Yeah, and they won a very specific thing. It's, I mean, basketball fans are going to kill me. I don't think we have any listening, but if, if, you, if you are a basketball fan listening, I'm sorry. I don't know what the main thing is is the nba big thing is but it's it's the super bowl of the basketball if that's if that means anything at all but they they won a bunch of those and it was kind of like looking at not just michael jordan but the rest of the team is uh pippin and can't remember his name but he's the really weird guy who was actually did some stuff with wrestling back in the day as oh, well really? i can't remember his name he was the guys with madonna for a bit he, the dyed hair God, that's going to bug me. Guy Ritchie. Whatever. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) But how they all... The things that... deep cut. (laughs) The things that came together that that made them win. But it was interesting seeing how that kind of journey progressed and stuff. It's interesting, I think, seeing any time you've got people being the best. And Michael Jordan is considered like the best of all time. Yeah, I mean, it's him, LeBron or Kobe, isn't it? I think it's, I think most fans would argue it's still him. And maybe mm. there's like some statistics where, well, actually Kobe did this or LeBron did this or whatever. And I, but I think like in terms of just fame, like it's Michael Jordan. Recently, and this is a tangent, I was going through some old stuff and I found my Mega Drive collection and I realized why, in my, why I'm, I have such a soft spot for Shaq. And I've completely forgotten I'd had this. But at some point in the mid-90s, somebody in my family bought me a copy of Shaq Fu for the Sega Mega Drive. 
which is the Shaq licensed fighting game. And ironically, the cartridge genuinely is twice the size of any other Sega Mega Drive cartridge for a reason that I've not been able to discern. Surely marketing. Well, it's just hench. Like, it is just an absolute unit of a Mega Drive cartridge. If any game was going to be, it was going to be that or Shadow of the Colossus. But for my 32nd birthday, Ryan, I just want to get everyone around here and get drunk and have a Shaq Fu tournament. Like, I think that's what I want. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, there's video game places that you could maybe facilitate something like that. But but anyway, back to the basketball. I still have a Mega Drive. We can yes. do it right now. Should we do that right now instead of recording a podcast? Spin, spin off the podcast, yeah. <laughs> the it's like a gaming, gaming channel where it's just us playing Shaq, Shaq Fu. Fu. <laughs> Only that ever. One of my friends, I'm going to plug it. Well, no, he doesn't stream anymore. But for the longest time, one of my friends exclusively streamed. He listens as well. He exclusively streamed Garfield Kart, which is bad. <laughs> you, are you telling me Garfield Kart never took off as a, as a video game? As a, well, it's certainly not a viable alternative to Mario Kart, no. No, that was Crash, that was crash Team Racing. Mm. So, back to the comic, or should I say back to the manga this time, because this is one of our few manga episodes. And this is also our first ever sports manga, which is like a whole subgenre. Yeah, we're going to be very clueless. It might be a short episode because we just don't have as much (laughs) meaningful related bits to give. So, I'm going to do the preamble today because this is a title that I insisted that we cover. Sure. Um, So, Slam Dunk is a sports manga. It was written and illustrated by uh, Takahiko Inui. That is absolutely mispronounced, so if anyone would like to correct me on that, please write in. It's probably what I would have gone with, looking at the reading. Yeah, so it was serialised in Shonen Manga, which is a weekly Shonen magazine, so it was in Shonen Jump. Mm -hmm. Started in 1990, and then uh, it carried on in that form to 96, with 31 original chapters, and it's still ongoing. They're into about 270 chapters now. So this manga is written by a prolific, uh, manga artist yeah he went on to do a follow-up about wheelchair basketball which we are absolutely going to cover yep and he also did a a sort of biographical manga about um possibly fictional possibly mythological definitely kind of existed shogun era samurai called muasashi is the title called vagabond yes right um and vagabond is really highly regarded is one of those that I really wanted to do something by this guy because he's so prolific and his art is so magnificent. I just feel like we had to cover something he'd written. Yep. The reason I didn't suggest Muasashi off the bat is because it's a real slow burn. So you're looking at 100 chapters before it really picks up. Yeah. And I think that's going to be something that I've noticed here with mangas generally. Yeah. The idea that it does take longer to get into the story. And you can argue that, like, oh, you need to get to this point before it kind of hits its stride. Or so, like, I've recommended things in that same vein. But I also think there's, you need to get something from that buildup as well. And so we're only covering the first nine chapters, which is the first book. Like, it's the first book, but it's split up into the chapters. Um, And I, oh, we'll get into it, the proper, like, story and stuff i th- i could tell that it's like the slow beginning of a of a whole story starting with the arting though mm-hmm. this is the thing that i have to say about manga is that these things are generally written and drawn by one person for a weekly release and you have to admit the art is fantastic so i was going to actually slightly counter on that point so 
mainly because what, what do you what what is your problem with this art? No, no, it's not, not a problem with the art. The problem specifically with your the point you're making, mm. right? And I'm not like disagreeing, but I'm just kind of countering with something to else be considered. So you made a TikTok on our comic literate TikTok channel, I did. Um, basically highlighting exactly that. You took a great bit of art and you said, "Look at this by this guy who only wrote he wrote it and drew the art himself for." years and years and years right and that bit of art was absolutely worthy of the praise that you gave it and the praise this guy is known for this writer and this artist but my thing was when reading this and this is a common thing with manga i think there are specific points where the art really like takes center stage it's a great bit of drawing but then what you see in the kind of page to page and panel to panel is then there's a i thought there was a lot of shortcuts to get some it done quicker so there's a lot of panels but, where it's just the people and there's no background and the people are drawn more simply in certain panels well so this guy does a lot of really small inset panels where he will really simplify the art because the idea is you're looking at it from far away yeah but compare this to a lot of marvel and dc stuff which by the way has a monthly release and entire teams working on it so typically it's typically leagues you only get above the it's leagues above it's leagues above the stuff you see in western comics i think parts of it are and one thing that's also important to remember here cuz i checked the timeline of this as well yeah. this guy this was his first kind of major thing so he started slam dunk when he was 23 and then vagabond which i saw was is actually a more praised for its art than this title and vagabond have you looked at some of the I've art saw, saw some of the stuff vagabond is absolutely worthy of the praise so i'm that's this is what i'm saying i'm not disagreeing with like the premise of what this and other manga artists have achieved but what i do think it's worth noting is you see the teams behind like the marvel and dc stuff and again marvel and dc stuff churn out a lot of mid stuff like yeah. no denying that at all but i do think with most marvel and dc stuff there is more per panel. And I think that the fact that they have a couple of extra people working on it, I think it kind of balances out. And I, this is all I was seeing with Slam Dunk was like, there's some great big kind of splash panels, great art, like great uh, body and muscular detail and the things like that. The anatomy is flawless. Exactly. But then you have a, quite a few pages in between those of more simplified stuff and I'm, again mm. i'm not having a go i'm not saying like this is why it's bad or this is why he shouldn't be praised what i think is as you point out because it's one writer one person writing and doing the art i think they have to take these kind of shortcuts to turn the stuff out and mm. i think they are choosing when and where to do this they are explicitly doing it when it's just like a simple conversation or it's a bit of like a comedic part so it's yeah. more like it's like a looney tunes-esque like oh they're fighting but there's a cloud covering or you know what i mean like oh it's a, a punch happened but you didn't see the punch but you just see the person knocked out afterwards i think to get this kind of thing produced by one person they have to take these kind of shortcuts so did you not did you like the art then I like the artwork, like so. I stopped and admired the, those big splash panels, mm. but I also then, when going through the other the bits in between, I was kind of like, "Well, this is this is manga based, like quicker drawing." I, I, I thought it was beautiful the whole way through. I thought, see, that's the thing. I thought and parts I, of it were beautiful. But I then, really enjoyed the moments where he simplified his art style as well, for like a zoom out panel or. For a moment where a character was saying something a bit silly and it was an aside that was kind of meant for the reader because that's an anime thing yeah or a manga thing that is carried over into anime think about ash ketchum going oh boy yeah 
Um, and I, I, I really thought that was pulling a lot of weight for the story, but just the sense of anatomy, like the panel that I put on TikTok is a much later panel. Mm. It's from way, way beyond anything we're going to be talking about today. But it's somebody hanging from a basketball hoop. And just the sense of anatomy there is flawless. And often when I look at Western comic book art at the moment, the anatomy's not there. The faces aren't there. Like, it's just not there. Even though they're they're pulling more weight with, like, the backgrounds and stuff. Like, the bread and butter, actually, how good is this drawing? Often the drawing isn't very good. Whereas here, even when he simplified it, everything was in proportion. Everything looked right. Everything looked good. Hmm. I think the best way for, I think for me to describe it is the way I kind of experienced this was the highs were absolutely higher than your typical Western comic book. Mm. But then the stuff in the middle, and I'm like, again, not saying it's worse. Like when they're, you can tell when Marvel and DC are, are doing the panels that they don't really, nothing important's happening. They don't care about it as much. They're kind of palming off a bit in between for the similar reasons. But I think with manga, and not specifically this art, I think manga generally they do oversimplify and for me it just gets a little it instead of like the great looking art i think they're relying on like the comedic kind of looks and parts mm. but and then even when it's not comedic sometimes it's just very simple yeah. and again i don't think that's specific to this artist i think if anything the fact that this came out this was his first major one and it came he did it when he's 23 i think he very intentionally stuck to the established manga style yeah and I think that's so. I'm I'm not putting on this art specifically. I think manga generally, because it's normally one creator, and this is very much a shonen manga. Exactly. Yeah. But again, that's that my issue is, and it, maybe the color thing might be an aspect for me personally as well. Where I'm looking at, if I'm looking at mid Marvel stuff or DC stuff, at least I have kind of some color and stuff that's still a bit interesting. <laughs> See, I love black and gray, don't I? I like I mean, black. You've and, seen my arms. Yeah, I like black and gray when it's when it's the great panels and the gray yeah. art. But when it's oversimplified, with the when you've got the color, for me, I'm like, well, at least we've got this color to look at and there's some interesting yeah. stuff, even if it's simplified. I with- mean, some of my favorite comic books of all time are in black and gray. Um, Walking Dead. The Walking Dead, Mouse. You know, I really like, I really like black and gray See, illustration. Mouse is a great comparison because in those panels, the quieter moments or like the modern day stuff where they're just talking over a kitchen table, I found that stuff, I think, better than the in between stuff in manga yeah, because that was more detailed and still as you say very in proportion and you know you can see what's going on and stuff i also had slight issues with so the character models were very distinctive you yeah. could almost always tell who was who yeah but what i did find with there's some little overlooks of like if a character wasn't a main character it was harder <laughs> a lot harder to distinguish there's a lot of others. background characters here that i mean in the same way that you know, I mean, I suppose a really popular entry point for Westerners and anime or manga is Pokemon. Yeah. If you're not super into anime and manga, you've probably consumed a few episodes of the Pokemon anime when you were a kid. You think about the background characters there, they're often super low frame rate, really non-distinct. They're the same characters every time, but they're not very distinct. Yeah. Very much a trope of like ensemble, ensemble manga. Yeah. But like, so this one, I found a particularly egregious example. So he's got his four friends, which we'll get into in a bit. But he's got his four friends, and they, to themselves, are all very distinguishable. Mm. The problem is one of those friends looks like the main character. And again, if when it's properly detailed, you can very much tell the main character he's much taller than, yeah. than this lookalike friend. But when it zooms out a bit, and you've got them in a group, I literally had to look at points and go, 
I had to stop and kind of distinguish which one is the one that looks like the main character and which one's the main character. So, and that's one little particular example that got me a bit. There's other points where I didn't know who was talking to who. And I think that again is a manga thing. This is, we cu- I said this on Please the previous- Please tell me you were reading it right to left. Yes. Because <laughs> that <laughs> The story didn't it. make any sense. <laughs> Things were happening in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's, he's, I'm trying to think of it. He left the basketball team and now he's fighting someone and now he wishes he was in the basketball team. And- <laughs> For anybody who is completely unfamiliar with manga, when you read manga, you read it back to front, right to left. Yeah. Um, so you start with a manga, with a, you know, with a, like a volume of manga. It's the shape and size of a paperback book as opposed to being the shape and size of a comic book. And you start when you have it in your hand with all the pages on the left. Yep. And you read backwards, essentially. Yeah. But there were points where I was looking at a panel going, who is saying this? Because a lot of times when there was an <laughs> overemphasis, like shouting or just exclamation, it would be in a, not a speech bubble, but be in a speech like pow sign, you know, like, in yes. com- like the old Batman, like pow, wham, you yeah. know, and all that. It'd be in one of those. And because it's that shape and it didn't have a clear speech direction or line i was like well who's saying that and i kind of contextually had to work out and again not impossible like i'm not saying it ruined it for me or anything but i feel like it what it took me out a little bit when i had to stop the stream of reading and go hang on who said that and like mm. take a beat to work that out you know what i mean yeah but then again that's a manga thing and this is uh, what i was going to say was it's a problem with i constantly have with mangas is i'm reading them going i don't know if this is bad i don't know if it's a failure on the text or if it's just the style and i'm not used to it i said the exact same which thing i think is Demon why Slayer. we need to expose ourselves to a lot more of it yeah but again but i think it's because it's more i am rooted in what i grew up with and yeah. have experienced for most of my life versus super into dc and marvel well, right. just, just western comics is probably the mm. the, the all-encompassing way to say yeah. it. and then mangas just have these different ways of doing things and i've i've mentioned issues before of like how they depict things in ways and how they're I feel like some parts of manga are so far away from realism, and then yeah. but then I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not calling out Looney Tunes for not being realistic. I, so yeah, like, you like comic books about people who ex- fly, exactly. But <laughs> in the sense of like, I'm used to the over. I'm I know in Western comics when it's meant to be realistic and when it's not. And then you've got titles like this where you have again incredibly detailed anatomy and things like that. But then you've got a ca- character going like. Oh, I must join the basketball team. Like just say, like talking that way in front I of mean, everyone. I mean, we've talked about this. This is just Japanese as translated into English, isn't yeah. It? And that is something I was very aware of going through this as well. Like, it's I, I, it's, it's very it's very typical of the Japanese character, isn't it? Yeah, and I don't think I can criticize the dialogue explicitly for exactly that reason because I don't know if this is good dialogue or bad dialogue. Well, the dialogue feels quite weighty, doesn't it? Like you kind of plod through it a little bit. But I think that's because Japanese is this very formal language and it's being translated quite, uh, how do you put it? Being translated quite authentically into English. Yeah. Whereas actually, you know, I think sometimes when you're, when you're reading this stuff, I would have liked it to have been translated into more colloquial English. Mm. And But then again, I think the ideas you know the way the character the way the characters emote and think wouldn't necessarily translate that well if it was translated into more colloquial english because then of course you're losing some of that character yeah um and and you know japan's one of these one of those countries that does still really have a national character because they were so insular for so long and it's you know a tiny island blah 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 
like they they they've been less affected by the scourge of um the, the prolifer- proliferation of american culture haven't they yes yeah in more recent years absolutely mm. i think with the, the art generally i think it's good where it needs to be good and that is far better than if it was bad all the way through like by miles i think they this this guy being a sports fan before he even started slam dunk i think he went into it with like the the idea of doing these amazing realistic looking mid sports photograph capture kind of yeah. kind of uh, images and especially like anytime they're playing or any kind of physical thing is going on it's especially great yeah i think when we picked this up when you suggested to do this and you said this guy's one of the best manga artists of all time let's do a title of his i think in feeding that notion this was not the best one to do but yeah. I, I, I know why we did it but this is like him like doing a bit of the stuff that he would become famous for but this is like still within the confines of like well you're stuck you're doing a manga you better do it the manga way i mean it's a shonen jump weekly release exactly it? you know like it, it is is sort of tethered into that culture these are yeah. comic books for kids yeah and also, in terms of character depiction, one of his mates has a mustache. He does. What age are they meant to be? Well, there's one thing I really want to get into up top. Trigger warning racism. Right. So there is a character who is black-coded. There is a character who, to my eyes, looks Afri- like he looks black, is the only way to describe it. I mean, like he has- a stereotypical depiction. Yeah. Um, it's the captain of the basketball team. Really? Yeah. Do you not think? I didn't get that, no. I don't just, know if I just missed it, but I, I didn't get that. Should we, should we, can we, I'm just going to show you some, with that in mind, I'm just going to show you some images of him really quickly. Sure. And then we can get into it because I'm, I'm happy to be wrong here. Um, but I really felt that that was it. Where, where did he come in? It was about issue five or six, wasn't it? Chapter two or three, I think. Tell me that isn't a black man. Only now because he's showing it because of the hair, but that's, yeah, I think oh, like, literally only because of the hair and because of the time it being the 90s but in terms of everything else about him i think he looks like every other character if anything this this might sound bad i think i expected a, a worse depict or a more racist depiction if they were going to put yeah a so black potentially character. he isn't black um i mean it's so hard to know because they've not inked up his mm. skin tone but just you know when i was reading through to me he looked you know i think it could be i think it could literally be the artist copying a hairstyle from a basketball player yeah potentially rather than making an explicitly black character but when i was reading it i was reading it as him being black and then he was incessantly and consistently referred to as a gorilla and i was reading that going fuck that's not cool and you know this is like 90s japan um japanese you know japanese culture is notoriously racist you know yeah 100 percent. black and european people living in japan face a lot of very low level casual racism yeah i've heard that in um through japanese pro wrestling it's if you're not japanese um if you in tokyo or any big touristy place like that you're probably fine as soon as you go out of tokyo it's like you're not being let into bars and clubs and you know they there's i heard stories of people who wrestlers who would only be let in once they showed that they could speak fluent japanese like only then they were like fine i guess we'll let you in kind of thing but for reference and that was that's recent so 90s is way worse this guy has the very kind of a high top fade yeah he has a high top fade which is i mean really it's a hairstyle you can only maintain if you've got afro hair 
Like, I would. I mean, I I do not know, but well, think if your hair was long enough to stand up six inches, and you had a fade on the sides, it would flop down, wouldn't it? Again, I do not know enough about hair to yeah, say one a high, way or the other. A high top fade, like a high top fade, is a mm. hairstyle you can only have if you have an afro, right? And you have to have a real dense curl pattern to have that, right? Like you're talking like a four, you know, like a four B or a four C curl pattern, and they are literally taking a big afro and then like a fucking topiary, you would shape it into your high top fade. Mm. Like that is a black hairstyle. That is not a hairstyle that either of our hair would be able to carry. And this is what makes me think. I the pure speculation. I think the creator probably saw that hairstyle on a basketball player, maybe one they were a big fan of, and just put it on one of their characters. And it's a hairstyle that was super popular in the nineties. Oh yeah. Um oh, there's a particular group I heard on a podcast, I think it's like Kid in Play or something like that. But yeah. there's like some group where a particular one of the people had that hairstyle and like dj jaggy jeff was known to have to wear this hairstyle yeah. like a lot of prominent black sportsmen in the 90s would wear it will smith back in the day will smith tended to have a lower fade right like he tended to just have a really tight fade didn't he yeah but yeah but even i suppose first season of fresh prince he kind of had a high top fade um maybe in his like prime rap yeah like, well before fresh prince i think it's fairly safe to say that this hairstyle was um popular among black panthers and you know big advocates for black rights because it is such a it's a hairstyle that's so unique to that community because again like just the sheer genetic factors of being the able to physic, have it the physics of it yeah like you you need a tight curl pattern you need a really tight curl pattern to have this haircut yeah um and so on some level, he has black-coded this character. Even if he hasn't given him really prominent African-American, African-American features. And, you know, you didn't, you know, you didn't read it that way. I did. So mm-hmm. there's clearly some room to, for interpretation here. Yeah, I'm at the level where, even after you've pointed out, I'm hoping it was unintentional. Yeah, but on some level, he has black-coded this character. And then he has uh, his primary character call him a gorilla throughout the comic book. And I was reading it wincing at points. Because yeah. I was like, that's just not okay. Yeah, it's that's the problem is if you if you make the connection, it just already it immediately sours the book for you. Because I didn't have that and I didn't notice it. But now that you you've pointed it out, I feel like if I go back and read it and that happens again, I'm just, that's all I'm going to be thinking of mm. now. So it's definitely something that could be unfortunately of its time and could ruin it for modern readers absolutely yeah totally and again i think i think now having had your perspective on this guy and i have having really looked at his face because mm, um, this is i i just saw the same face on the characters mm. i thought you were gonna mention one of the one of the bad guys henchmen you know what i mean like the one of the popular kids the ones who try and beat up the other kid at the beginning i thought it's gonna be one of them um but, but then you don't see that much of them so that's mm. why it's maybe wasn't as obvious yeah, but that one character for me just really stuck out. Mm. Again, it's probably just the high top fade. It's probably just because I know a bit about natural hair. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine there are many white people who would know what, like, a 4B or a 4C curl pattern are. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so seeing that haircut, I instantly went, well, that's an Afro haircut. You're only going to get that on somebody with an Afro. Yeah. And they're calling that same person a gorilla. And I was like, that's just, that just doesn't ring right to me. Yeah. So... Because of my ambivalence of all that, I was more uh, focused on the character who had the mustache. Because I was like, what age? Because <laughs> they're meant to be first year high school. So for like us in England, that's 12, 13, right? So maybe but, a bit older. But for them to have a whole proper mustache, like... I mean, you're going to have to bleep this out, but... 
partner we went to school with. Yeah, but like... That geezer had a full-ass beard at about 13. Yeah, and that's not uncommon, but <laughs> again, the moustache just, it, it seemed very odd. He grew a better beard than most of our teachers. Like, I feel like teenage boys have bum fluff, bum fluff moustaches. Prominent one. This was like a styled <laughs> one. <laughs> We're getting into... Well, it was enough that he could wax it. <laughs> yes, exactly. And again, I think this is the creator just seeing, probably seeing looks on basketball players and then just putting them on the characters because it's about basketball. So maybe that I was feel it. Like the mu- I feel like the mustache had fallen out of favor in the 90s, hadn't it? Nah, it's never, it's never completely gone, has it? It's always been around. It's the, it was the business, it was the, the business um, suitable facial hair, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, we are going back. We are in another age of the mustache at the moment. I mean, the stash beard is coming into prominence. The beard stash, but also the mustache mullet combo is pretty popular in the UK right now. Yeah, but that's all. That was like an eighties thing as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Fuck, man. M- the mullets need to go. I'm sorry. This- <laughs> nah, some people can pull off mullets. Some- like, and I feel like I live in the epicenter of the mullet, being as I am. <laughs> gonna have to blip my postcode out. <laughs> um, but being where I am, I live in the epicenter of mustache mullethood. They were going to say Mustache Mountain, but Mullerhood is, yeah. Mustache Mountain? <laughs> if a mountain had a mustache, would it be right on the peak? No, it'd be a bit before the peak. Because well, the yeah, peak would, would be like to, the nose, yeah, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah, so I suppose. Or would you be looking at the underside of the mustache because the peak of the mountain is the nose? And so it's like halfway up the mountain on the other side. I feel like if you put a beard on a mountain, it would be just under the tip, wouldn't it? So the mustache would be like right near the tip. I suppose. <laughs> yeah. I just want to get across there. He was laughing at the use of the word tip. <laughs> you clocked it. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. So back to the manga. Yeah, back to the manga. And the story, I think, is something I want to get into because this, I think, is going to play into the whole manga conventions and mm. all that kind of stuff. It does have the rig of... I want to be the very best. Yeah, and that's that's a common theme, and that's absolutely fine. I don't, I just don't know what to think about the main character. Like, is for for one thing, I wasn't sure what to make of the whole story and the whole like presentation. Right, is it meant to be realistic in the sense of like we care about this character and their their wants and desires and how they get them, or is it just meant to be funny? I mean, yeah, I think it's a little column A, little column B. So the very start of the story, basically, we find out that this guy's pretty unlucky in love. He's been rejected by 50 women and he's only 12. <laughs> yeah. Which also, as, as a general manga thing, you've got a character who ostensibly looks just like one of the better looking characters. And Adonis. Yeah. And he's like, he's been rejected by 50 women. It's like, I don't think I'd met 50 women by the time I was like in high school. <laughs> well, admittedly, like, I mean, going back to, again, everyone's, well, not everyone's entry point, but a popular Western entry point into anime and manga. Brock is a pretty good looking dude. And that guy is getting turned down every time he max on Nurse Jenny or Officer Joy. Yeah. And I guess the common theme here is that it's not that they're bad looking, it's how they act. Because Brock back in the day was always like, like you'd see a guy like, hubba-da, 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 yeah, uh, like <laughs> yeah, eyes Brock bulge out. Thought with his dick, didn't yeah. he? And this this character is obviously not very well spoken or anything. He comes across very like, oh, 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 I'm in love with you, like that kind of. <laughs> so 
I also really love that because this is a shonen title, it's intended for children. And so what he wants from these women isn't anything particularly mm. R-rated. He just wants to walk to and from school with them. I did pick that up as, as quite wholesome. Which is so wholesome. I just want to walk her home after school. Yeah. Like, that's so sweet. But again, like, get a nori roll from 7-Eleven, you yeah. know, like he's, it's quite obviously a common thing in manga where that you you are trying to get the reader in the shoes of the character. Yeah. Right. So you are trying to get across this this sense of like, are you unlucky in love? Well, this character is. Let's see how it plays out for them. And maybe it can work out for you kind of thing. I mean, hopefully you're over six foot tall and absolutely jacked. So you yeah. can start playing basketball <laughs> and just immediately get called on. Like, well, you're in the team now. But, um, but what I don't understand is, are we meant to empathize with the character or not? Because the character is pretty unlikable. Do you empathize with him? No. I think he's an asshole. And I think he's, <laughs> he whines about, he whines about shit he does. And then, like, he whines about the consequences of his actions. Yes. And I don't he does. know. I was trying to think about this just in terms of broad fiction. You either you have a character that is likable or has likable traits, so you kind of root for them, or you have a character that's thoroughly unlikable, but they're fascinating in a way that you want to keep watching them. He's and- about as likable as Holden Caulfield, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's moaning about how unlucky in love he is, despite the fact that I said they just walks up to women and just goes and then doesn't get anything. And then he moans about like the actions of like him getting into like fights and stuff. Apparently, apparently him and his friends are like the bad guys of middle school. Like they were a gang yeah. in middle school. Yeah, they're the gang, and I I don't know if that's just a quirk of the translation, but they are there. There's a particular word that they use. It's like the hoodlums or something. Yeah, the hooligans. Hooligans, yeah. they're hooligans. Which sounds like a name they gave themselves. <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? It's like, yeah, we're actually called the hooligans now. Like, so if you could call us that from now on, and the teachers being like, eye roll, like, yeah, whatever. But yeah, I just didn't know. I didn't care what happened to the character. That was the main thing. And like, comparing this to other manga, what little other manga we've read, I just thought of Demon Slayer. And in Demon Slayer, this character goes through a pretty horrific situation and yeah. is then then put in a position where he's trying to save his little sister from this evil or whatever. He's but, casually been in a coma for a year and a half. No, so that was after the that was <laughs> after that point. But by the way, it's been a coma for two years. Like buried the lead there, mate. But anyway, um, yeah, that character went through that. So immediately we're like rooting for this character in Demon yeah. Slayer because we're like you know want them to succeed because they've been through something horrible and they're trying to look out for family. This character is just like, why does anything work out for me? And then starts fights and then is mad when people don't immediately hand the world on a platter to him. He's an obnoxious little brat. Exactly. So again, this is, I was trying to think, why do I care about what happens to this character? At best, maybe he's like naturally talented, but that's not really an empathetic thing, is it? No, that's not a particularly empathetic trait. And I'm trying, I was trying to think of like anti-heroes, like characters who are meant to be disliked, but you just want to see what happens anyway. I suppose he's so camp and kitschy, he doesn't fit into that idea of the very stoic anti-hero, does he? I wasn't necessarily thinking of stoicism, or as I was thinking of like talent and effort. So like the prime yeah. prime ones I think of, you think of like Sopranos yeah. or Characters in the Wire or more recently Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, yeah. right? And the thing about those characters is they're unlikable through their actions and their morality, but they are so competent. They are like, mm. especially Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, you've got a character who's a master of chemistry, like one of the best in the world, apparently, and is in this situation they had no hand in and you just see them getting worse and worse. So you root for them from the start. Also, I mean, like, Heisenberg was always a monster. Well, yeah, exactly. But but because he's so proficient in what he does, 
that's where you're like he's interesting because he's like really good at really what he is. does and yeah and the same about call saul he's like a great lawyer despite the fact that he's a ambulance chasing you know criminal lawyer kind of thing but he's really good at arguing in court and stuff yeah so this character just did not have that much for me to be like caring about what you, happened to you him next couldn't find anything to root for in him exactly if anything i probably root against him but then he just kicks off and starts fights and it's like i'm like his friends in the background like oh no he's, he's about to get angry like, oh. <laughs> like i'm like that it's like why why would i subject myself to this yeah totally so that was my kind of biggest issue with the with the story there was a lot of like he just jumped from want to want mm. again when there's higher stake stuff and i keep comparing the, the manga i think most of is demon slayer yeah with a manga like that and even to an extent uh pokemon and one piece they either have they're thrust into a situation where they need to like like demon slayer thrust in a situation and he just needs to sort it out for the sake of his loved ones ash Ketchum, he is he's always wanted to be the best pokemon trainer it's not ash Oh, it's Ash. It's basically Ash. No, it's Red. It's the protagonist from the games. It's definitely not Ash. Uh, Ash Ketchum all. Um, that's his full name. Um, Ash it, Ketchum. Yeah. He wants to be the best Pokemon trainer. Uh, the One Piece guy wants to be the best pirate for whatever reason. But it, <laughs> but it, is, but it is like an established, like, they've wanted this their entire life kind of thing. Yeah. Um, whereas this, he's just literally going about his day, getting rejected, and then he he literally gets rejected by one girl, and he's like, the love of my life just rejected me. And then he sees another girl, he goes, I'm in love with her now. Like, she's my focus. She mentions a basketball player, and he's like, basketball player? Brr! And then he hates basketball for half an yeah. issue, and then he loves it. Beats up his friends, because they mention basketball, <laughs> which, again, yeah, a scene it. like that, I was like, is this meant to be a comedy? Like, is this just yeah. meant to be funny? Because that's a funny thing, because they say words similar to basket or basketball, and he punches them for it. So if that's just for humor, fine. But then I'm like, are we meant to be, like, hooks on the story and the progression and, like, the things that happen, twists and turns? Or are we just meant to be laughing along? Yeah. And another thing I think I have the issue with translated stuff is humor can get lost in it. Not saying it was unfunny or bad but i think a lot of the timing and the jokes and the you know the dialogue related to the humor i think that gets lost a bit in translation so did you clock his red hair yes so that they they did a good job of mentioning that straight from the start didn't they so again red hair is historically seen as sinister particularly in japanese culture where it's very rare and again in every culture other than european culture red hair is seen as being this like really negative trait hmm probably because the first people that most of these people met with red hair were white europeans yep who were coming to do some pillaging um and so yeah he has red hair and that would have to a manga audience instantly denoted probably born under a bad sign yeah and again a character being like quick to temper and having that as their their fault that yeah. they kind of have to move past or get through and again, maybe that's the story later on, but I feel like in nine chapters and almost 200 pages that I feel like I needed a little bit of like self-assessment, you know, a bit of like, maybe I shouldn't just blow my <laughs> handle and, and peek out on everyone like immediately. The peek end, out? That's a very out, British yes. expression. He's peeking. Um, oh, he's fucking peeking out, mate. Yeah. <laughs> the end of this first book, it ends with him having... Jo just joined the yeah. basketball team which he really went out of his way to achieve like that was it became his 
his life goal in about a day. <laughs> and then it gets a bit too hard. And it, they were trying to go for something here, which I think could have been good, which was that he was made when he joins the basketball team, he's made to do the basics because he's never played basketball before, he, right? Because he, he doesn't dribble exactly. at all, does he? And he's and he's angry at this, but, and that I saw as like, you could make this an interesting character thing. But then he then is like, well, no, I, I shouldn't be able to do this because I, I can do these tricks and stuff. Like, he just does them immediately. And again, never played before. Suddenly he can do tricks. Bit weird. But then he's angry at that, and they're like, no, no, you've got to wait. And he's like, actually, you know what? Fuck this, I'm out. And then I'm like, you just tried for this for so long. I think it goes too quickly. I think that's the thing, is they're trying to put too much story in too quickly. And we have this issue with episodic stuff all the time, don't we? Yeah. Where when you've got something that's a, that's presented to you as a full volume and was written that way, it can be a slower burn and it can have a bit more nuance. Whereas because this was smashed out weekly, it need, every so- story needs to be quite contained, doesn't it? This wasn't smashed out weekly because this was a this was released in books, wasn't it? So like the nine chapters was the book. Oh no, sorry, it came out in the um, it came the out weekly thing. Jump. Yes, yeah. So yeah. it came out. So these first nine issues were its first nine weeks of existence, right? And again, when you're reading a Western comic, that's a year's worth nearly. Yeah. Whereas with these mangas, like that first nine issues is two and a bit months. Yeah, I think. The end of that, the ending that I'm getting as he walks out on the basketball team and then it's like, what happens next kind of thing? Yeah. I th- feel like it resonated a little more because it was the end of that first book for us. Yes. And I think I was like, okay, they're trying to get you buying the next book. It's the first arc, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But as a as a cliffhanger to get you in the next thing, it didn't help that he'd just joined the team like that day and then quit out of anger. Also, he's the main character in a comic book called Slam Dunk. It's fair to assume he's going to join a basketball team. Yes, At some point very soon. So yeah, on the one (laughs) hand, it doesn't work on that route. And on the other hand, I I wasn't sympathetic to him quitting because, again, because he just joined and he expected to be like treated like a god, basically. And again, the humor, there's points where he's like, I'm going to be the bloody next coach. And that's, it's meant to be funny because he's so arrogant. Yeah. Like, why would a person think that? And it's played for laughs. But then when you're trying to get me to care about him quitting the team, I'm like, no, he was just an asshole. Like, yeah. it was funny. But why would I, I? I think the balance of writing to humor to everything else. This was a point I was going to make earlier when we were talking about the art, but it's more, it's more related to the story. I think there's a thing with manga where you have these artists who are mainly known for their art and their mm. drawing. And you're, they're being expected to write stories. Yeah, potentially. I think that's a really fair assessment. Mm. And I think he can he can plot and write a story and, you know, like a basic story. But as soon as it tries to do anything a bit more elevated, I think that's where you're expecting someone who doesn't have that skill or hasn't shown that skill yet to then be like, right, write a nuanced showing of this character's arc and how we got care for him at this yeah and i suppose this is early in this guy's career isn't it yeah exactly and he had the limitations of it being a shonen title yes i do think and i'm gonna hold my hand up to this i i think there is an element of this being uh, getting as popular as it got and so many people loving it i think there is an element of people who just love manga and will take a lower version because manga and i hold my hand up because i do the same with superheroes so i'm not blaming people for it I'm just identifying it in this other medium. Like, from yeah. an outsider, I can be like, I recognize that when I do it. Because 
admittedly I was going into this expecting for and hoping a really hard hoping for a really hard hitting sports story. Um because I like a sports story. I like a sports movie. I like a underdog works really hard and gets what he wants kind of story. But normally the underdogs are sympathetic. <laughs> well and this is it, isn't it? I think, you know, the sports movie was a very American thing. And very much like a, you know, 80s, 90s kind of jam. And it was the underdog team working really hard and getting what they wanted. What I wanted here was Cool Runnings. Yes. Right? Which is the definitive sports film. Oh, it's such a good film, man. Really not great. It hasn't aged well. Yeah. But I loved it. Yeah. Rocky second. Cool Runnings is first. Oh, do you, I mean, Rocky's good as well. Rocky's good. Rocky's really good. I also like the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> I, I haven't seen Mighty Ducks. Heard it's very good. Mighty Ducks. Well, I mean, it's an eighties film. Like it's yeah. an it's an eighties studio comedy. And then Air Bud. <laughs> Knowing the rules is say a dark hair play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Air Bud is just fantastic all mm. the way through, isn't it? Um, and then you know, like stuff like uh, Looney Tunes did that crossover with Michael Jordan, didn't Space they? Space Jam, Space Jam, yeah, like Space Jam's fantastic. Space Jam's awesome. And so I was kind of hoping for like a Japanese version of that, which I suppose is what this is, is core. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, a more sympathetic protagonist would have made this easier to swallow, wouldn't it? Yes, absolutely. And again, I just I don't know what the I don't know what the aim of it is. That's why I was thinking of like, what is the aim of the of the text? Bear in mind my high claims of racism here. They're all coming from him. <laughs> yes. Like, he's the only person calling that guy a gorilla. And that's the thing. If that is racist, even less sympathetic. Right? Yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. maybe he's not as much in the 90s, unfortunately. <laughs> but nowadays, absolutely. Yeah, fucking A. Yeah. I, the dialogue I had some issues with, because like you mentioned earlier, I don't know if this is a translation thing or not, but the, at the end of the day, you can only experience it how you experience it. I can almost definitely argue for it being an issue of translation. Yeah, and what, what I had was, again, I don't know if this is or not, but the example I took was the overuse of the word definitely. Yes. And I, I get what it's trying to go for. This guy's now, regardless of motivations and realism, whatever, he suddenly decided he wants to be the best basketball player in the world. Yeah. But he constantly uses the, I definitely will join the basketball team and talking like that. But then I also, and then I also noticed from um, the female main character, who's, I unfortunately can't remember any of Way more sympathetic. More sympathetic, yeah. And a very stereotypical Japanese schoolgirl. Oh, I've got a crush and all <laughs> She's that. She's a manga girl, isn't she? Yeah. And I did like the the love triangle that was going on. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. But then she is talking about the main character and she's like, yeah, he definitely will join the basketball team and be the best player. And I'm like, why is everyone just so suddenly like and this it's... thing I just realized it's now absolutely going to happen. And she is the only person who's arguing for him being decent, a decent human being. But then she also has the, oh, I see how you really are when he gets into a fight. And then she apologizes and thinks she's been unfair. So she she's the only person who sort of sees him through these rose tinted glasses, like, oh no, I think he's a good person, and everyone else that she's conversating with about him is going, no, no, he's a problem. <laughs> like he's a douchebag. <laughs> and as a reader, I'm like, yeah, listen to everyone else. So there were some quirks of the translation that kind of threw me out of it a bit. So I couldn't tell if this had been translated into a kind of transatlantic voice, right? Which bothered me. So there's there's a few times where the expression "oi" pops up. Oi, what you doing? Yeah. Oi is a very British thing. Yes. You won't hear an American saying oi. Um, but then they also slipped into some American vernacular as well. So it's almost like whoever was translating this had learned English from like British and American TV shows and didn't have a strong sense of vernacular. 
because you know from i mean as as somebody who isn't a translator um but has read a lot of translated fiction by virtue of having a fucking english degree um if you are translating from one language to another you kind of want to pick the vernacular that you're translating into so you'll say right i'm translating this out of japanese and i'm translating it into american english and so you stick to the american english vernacular or you use a really really plain english that doesn't have any vernacular in it yeah here they dip into both british and american vernacular at points probably not knowing there was a difference well potentially but as a native english reader it becomes quite jarring yeah someone someone translating should have picked it up yeah definitely like i'm a huge fan of um god what's his fucking name he's one of my favorite writers and i can't remember his name because i'm getting old i'm a big fan of Haruki murakami right and Jay Rubin, the bloke who translated most of his work, is an American who speaks Japanese. And so he translates into a relatively plain English, leaning towards an American vernacular. But you'll never hear him use a word from the British vernacular, because that would just look weird on the page. And that's what's happened here. They've, used the, they've sprinkled a little bit of British vernacular in, and it's made the whole thing feel really disjointed. Yeah, and I guess... F- if you know both, then you kind of spot it. Absolutely, but as an as a native English speaker from any country, you would recognise the American vernacular. Yeah, manga translation probably wasn't as like high priority a a role for translation back in the nineties. No, and I don't know when this translation was done. Yeah, I assume like soon after. I think like it's because it's a low effort thing if you think about it. Like to just make extra money off if you're if your company, whether the shonen jump company you're like let's get a translator they'll do a quick translation we can sell extra copies for for next to nothing so and i think part of the reason that when we think of manga conventions we generally think of shonen stuff is because they were the primary people punting their stuff out for the western market back in the day yeah and they definitely have created the manga house style or like the shonen house style has become manga essentially because yeah. of how popular I mean, I think when we do um, Muasashi, which I really want to do, I really want to do a follow-up on this writer and just go, by the way, this is where he got to. He got to these really elevated heights with this really fantastic art, this really great writing. Um, that really has, he really broke out of that in his later career. Yeah. And there are there is amazing stuff happening in Japanese comics that is outside of that Shonen House style in the same way that there's amazing stuff happening in the West that's outside of the DC Marvel House style. Yeah. But what, what we're looking at here is that... The main one. Yeah, those weekly shonen titles that then got translated and punted out for the Western market. Yeah, Um, I remembered that I had some screenshots which I was just going to share with you, which I just thought were funny. Um, One was... Should have done this in the arting, but... But we can go back. Yeah, but um, the, the Dragon Ball Z reference, which is the word horrible said yeah. by the main character's crush, hitting him like the... Kamehameha from Dragon Ball Z, which I thought it was very well drawn. Or like a Hadouken from Street Fighter. Yeah. More close to a Hadouken. I took an example of the text, so the bubble where I didn't know who was saying it. Yeah. Now in that, it's obvious. That alone, it's obvious because that's just the one character and the speech bubble. But in the one right before, you see she's talking to someone. I didn't know if the person she was talking to was saying the the revelation that the captain th- was the brother. Think, so what Ryan's referring to is floating speech bubbles with no indication as to... West, Western comics will tend to put a little arrow almost to the map. And most manga will as well. Yeah. And so, and, and that, yeah, I, I, I clocked that as well. The one thing I do want to talk about is the really interesting heterodox panel layout here. Yeah, I thought that's that's a very manga thing, isn't it? 
Well, we didn't really see much of it in Demon Slayer or Pokemon Adventures. It might, yeah. So in our experience, in our limited experience of the manga we've talked about here on the podcast, it is quite heterodox. I think I had a harder time noticing anything like that because I was so tuning into the right to left thing. Yeah, so I totally. Didn't, I didn't have like much of like a ability to see how I was scanning. So there's lots of grids of four with a little inset panel in the center. Yeah. Which is unusual. You don't really see that a lot in comic books, do you? I mean, I thought that was quite interesting. I love the fact that the spl- we, we talked about the splash panels. There is a lot of them. It's really dense with them. Yeah. You know, I mean, in a, in a Western comic book, you're lucky if you get one good splash panel per issue. Whereas here you're getting three or four per chapter and they're all fantastic, but they're only a third. Yeah. They're a central third. So the splash panels that we're seeing here aren't a full page. They're a central third of the page, which again, I thought looked really good because you had sort of, Two panels spanning half the page on top, two panels spanning half the page on the bottom, and then this big central splash panel in the middle that kind of catches your eye when you turn over to it. Yeah. I thought it looked really great, and it kind of kept your eye moving around the comic a lot. Yeah. And again, one of the things that we've been talking about panel layout a lot, and I think since we did the Cheers and Jeers episode, I've been thinking about it even more. Mm. And really, for me, good panel layout is about how it directs your eye when you when you turn a page. Yeah, I think it's a very fine balance because it has to, for me, it has to direct your eye in an interesting way, but you don't, it doesn't break the scan of the story. I think it's one thing that Logan v. Predator did quite well. Yeah, actually. that was a good one, yeah. In I, retrospect, we kind of panned that comic book, but in retrospect, it did that really well. It did. It melded the um, fight scenes with very in a very easily to scan way, wasn't it? Yeah, and again, the action here is dealt with really well. Yeah. But the, I think, way the, the way the... Because, the, again, like... I think the action stands up more because of how good a single image is. Yes. So there's not as much flow of movement. Yeah. But, but the one image you get of it is so good and so expression-laden and, like, you only need the one image because it's so good. Because it's so rich. Yeah. Um, and again, I'd be really interested now to look at a Western sports comic because I bet they exist. I mean, we've kind of done that with um, Do A Powerbomb. Yep. I would kind of argue to some degree that was a sports comic. King of sports, some say. <laughs> you. <laughs> you and the other weirdos. Me and some other thousands. The unwashed. <laughs> thousand other wrestling fans. <laughs> We're not as bad as the anime fans, you come on. The, you, you, well, no, but there is a larger redneck. <laughs> yeah, it's redneck ballet. <laughs> it's redneck ballet. Is that, that a thing? I, sh- I think it's the thing about like modern fans. <laughs> you might get some like old, old hat fans who are like, no, it's it's tough and it's manly. And I'm the, not the, a fucking redneck. Yeah, but <laughs> modern modern fans who are less and less redneck, they're more like hipster hipster um, yeah. wrestling fans. But they're like they're like it's extremely physical theater. Who's, and at, at oh. the end of the day, most wrestlers these days they are all nerds and th- and specifically theater nerds who just got jacked and became yeah, wrestlers. Totally. Like, because they they like the costumes and well, the we've pageantry of the wrestling. <laughs> Fuck. You opened Pandora's box. I did, yeah. Now I can't now all that's left in there is hope. <laughs> <laughs> Pandora's box reference for anyone. But no, I because I bet, I bet there would be like football comics. Yeah, probably. Probably um, British produced. There are WWE comics. <laughs> oh, fuck you. We've done Powerbomb. It's fine. We've, yeah, we've Next, done the good one. Take, you get one a year. You get one a year, Ryan. We'll do one wrestling comic a year. I hope the guy who did Powerbomb does another one because uh, that was writer and drawer. Um, writer and art. Drawer. Drawer artist. <laughs> 
I mean, it's in wrestling, week, guys. wrestlers draw. The good ones draw, if you know what I mean. Yeah, um, I, I, unfortunately, I do, yeah. Here's another panel that I made a note of just because the specific wording, I thought, was yes. a bit indicative. And this isn't so much a translation thing because it's one speech bubble. Yes. So there's one speech where the main character does something. He does some trick or something. No, that's it. So he does this weird guarding thing, right? And that's how he beats the captain to, like, get into the team. And he does a thing where he guards, uh, whether this is a basketball thing or not. Yeah, but he's moving so fast that he's covering the entire space. So one of the bystanders who's watching says, that's the special skill that only people with unlimited strength and explosiveness can do. And then someone else goes, that's godlike. So that, regardless of translation... That is a exposition dump within like within yes. like one speech bubble. But that's a very manga thing. And I don't think that's a translation thing where it's like a character has to point out why this thing that just happened is so amazing. It reminds me of the full sort of two or three pages in Demon Slayer where they describe that he is smelling where his sword needs to go. Yeah, but even at least in that, that was like a slow enough a situation where someone could say oh that is amazing because you did this or this or whatever like they're telling another characters this is someone in a basketball stands <laughs> i'll read it again exactly but that's someone in the basketball stands like rooting for like a mid basketball game going that's a special skill that only people with unlimited strength and explosiveness can do <laughs> like bear in mind that 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 sentiment in japanese could probably be expressed with like three kanji yeah and uh, maybe all right maybe it is a translation thing though. yeah i mean japanese is a very dense language with a lot of nuance yeah and so that could be dealt with in a handful of words and a few kanji on the page yeah and again i think japanese does come across as a bit stilted and a bit wordy when translated into english because the the, just the nuances of the two languages and speaking of nuanced language i also took a screenshot of this i did clock that again he looks quite african-american there and for listeners (laughs) it's the captain character who the basketballs have just been shined and cleaned by the main character and he's holding two basketballs and he just says these balls (laughs) which again i think was played for humor so well it's funny isn't it it is um i also took a again coming back to wrestling i took a photo of one character drop kicking another and it looks amazing it's perfect isn't it yeah because you can tell i the only reason i i looked at that i went that's a drop kick and then i second guessed myself because i was like why would they put a drop kick in a 90s manga like that's a that's a 90s wrestling thing like that's sure as shit not a basketball thing as far as i think you get disqualified for doing something like that on the core basketball is famously not that much of a contact sport no exactly so, but I just, I appreciated the drawing. He could have done bloody, do a powerbomb. <laughs> yeah. This this drawer could do a really good uh, wrestling mean, comic. Given how proliferated across Japan pro wrestling is now, I bet there are some Japanese, I oh, bet there's 100%. a wrestling manga. Do you think that might be a fun entry point into manga for us? <laughs> I mean, we've had a several entry points. It'll be another, another well, stop on the road. Man, I just want to get to the point that when we review manga, we can do so with a little bit more knowledge and a bit more of a straight face. Because whenever we talk about manga on the podcast, I think it's fair to say we do get a bit bogged down into translation issues and, you know, how styles and all this is shown and this isn't. And we, you know, we we're kind of groping in the dark a little bit as reviewers because we don't know as much about it. And so I just really would like to expose ourselves to a bit more of it so that when we do end up talking about it, we can get into it a bit better. I would say I think there is value in our perspective of being people who are enthusiastic about it, but without mm. having the relevant knowledge. Yeah. In the same way that we do superhero stuff and you don't know about it, or we might do 
historical stuff and i don't know about it and yeah. obviously apparently it's one... i don't know about it either <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think there's there's value in us kind of critiquing it from just the, the experiences that we have and saying like how would you find this as a story because again demon slayer i really enjoyed and i might keep reading if i have the time because i'm still catching yeah. up on super stuff but demon slayer is one that i made a note of to be like this is why I am now if I want to jump back in. I'm yeah. probably not going to do that with this. No, I mean, I probably won't read much more of it. So again, I think our issues with this, again, is from the 90s. It's like, it's very of its time in yeah. a lot of ways, especially stylistically. So can you edit in that bloke from TikTok who talks into a vocoder and goes, it was the 90s. Do you know the guy? Uh, no, you might have to send, if you send me the link and I'll, I'll pop it in. Because <laughs> he's funny. Yeah. I also took uh, a picture of what I think is the f- one of the funniest, you know, the meme of like when they in the film say the name of the film and like the Leo meme where he's like, yeah. ah, like that. I took a picture of one because it was it was the main character going, in case you'd forgotten what this title is called, the main character going, damn it, I really want to slam dunk. All you need to do is l- to let me slam dunk. <laughs> and, <it's> like, <laughs> and again, especially in the 90s. And I think if there's no translation for slam dunk, which there may or may not be, I don't know. But even in the 90s, like in American parlance, it was dunking. You just dunk. Yeah. It wasn't, it's not slam dunk every time. I mean, it was such a feature of the American parlance that you could refer to yourself as dunking on somebody. Exactly. Yeah. Like and that conversationally, in- you could dunk on somebody, couldn't yeah. you? And that was back in the 90s. So. Yeah, that was just an interesting little, again, like, I imagine that'll be one of those things that has, like, gaijin English, gaijin Japanese. Yeah. Do you know about loan words in Japanese? No, not at all. They will just nipponify English words. So, Like Napoleon. <laughs> if you didn't, if the microphone wasn't sensitive enough there, that was a big sigh from <laughs> And <Jamie>. an eye roll. <laughs> the eye roll was important. So, would you like to know the Japanese? I, I can explain it to you really quickly. Would you like to know the Japanese for hamburger? Yes, but I'll time you. Go on. Hamburgeru. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the Japanese for hamburger. They just use the English word, but pronounce it. They, they basically just p- use Japanese pronunciation rules yeah. for all the phonetic sounds. Spanish is hamburguesa. So again, it's, it's very close. <laughs> can you say that again for me? Hamburguesa. Can you, say that, can you make it more Spanish? Hamburguesa. <laughs> is a lisp spanish <laughs> yeah no yeah the lispy s sound like chorizo is actually chorizo i i say it how the duolingo people say it because that's all the reference i have and the way they say it is hamburguesa so that was better yeah and the only reason I don't, that that cadence is from the boy for some reason his i remember most of all but he does like the um uh it? yo soy un hombre it's like See, I, I am a man i remember him saying un garçon because <laughs> yeah. I learned a different language to you by Duolingo. Yes. And they're all the same, basically. Well, so once you know Latin, you know all the European languages. <laughs> all of those Latin speakers that are still kicking about. Yeah, they know all the European languages because they're all <laughs> the roots language and all that. I think I could probably argue that people who speak Latin know a lot of Anglo languages, not because of the Latin, but because they've been very expensively educated. Yeah, probably that as well. You, uh, don't, you, don't, you don't get fucking Latin in- High school, mate. You're gonna have to bleep that one out as well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or do you ever just retake? So you don't get Latin around these parts. You don't get Latin around here, boy. Well, I, yeah. I imagine in Langley you do. In where? Langley. Oh right. The fat off private school in the countryside that all the posh kids go to. Do you want to leave that in as well? Yeah, fuck it. Okay. Like it's not the actual school that we went to, so. 
We couldn't afford that. <laughs> no, no, yeah, our parents couldn't. We didn't have Langley money. No. I got one more nitpick Go on, of the story. Oh, sorry, two more nitpicks. Oh god. One was, and again, this just I thought was a bit weird. The revelation that that the main character has made it into the basketball team. Yes. So like a big plot point. So like right at the start, like kind of mid issue nine. Yeah like really been working towards it the whole time so i remember it's the end of chapter eight and the only reason i remember that is because it ends with the female main character telling his mates that he made it in. yeah and that was the revelation and then it just cuts to main characters is joining the team i thought that was so weird because like surely in kind of traditional storytelling the main character who has been working towards this goal would be there for the revelation. Like it's, it's, it's imagine Harry Potter not being in the room when he finds out he's going to Hogwarts. I mean, John wasn't there when we found out he was actually Aegon Targaryen. No, but that was going to be my other point is unless there's a contextual reason for them not being. There. Yeah, I suppose. But there's not a lot of context here in general, is there? Well, that's that. That's this is an example of a wider problem, I suppose. <laughs> but again, and again, this is this is a assigning good story writing to someone who is primarily an artist yeah. like maybe that's it the other one i thought was very expositional and this isn't a translation thing it was the two characters so the main character and his his enemy basically the the guy who's like maybe taller than him or not Luke. yeah the cool like too cool to care kind of character the, the, guy, the guy who gets his nap disturbed he's just sleeping yeah. on the roof which also i thought was a very stereotypical um manga thing that i saw in attack on titan there's yeah. character there oh, what's his name um lee something i can't remember his name but he's like too cool to care but also amazing at the thing yeah. that the comic is the manga is about but they they have met and they got they speak first and then they get into a fight later or whatever but it says in the comp in the manga it's explicitly says as narration it says this is the first time these two characters meet and they will be enemies from now on yeah and absolutely. it's like you literally telling not showing <laughs> you're literally it's yes that, i also noticed that that is like what i'm trying to think of the game of thrones comparison like i don't know eddard stark being like and he would be sad about this and probably won't be around for very long to be sad about it like, the only time that that is acceptable is as an epilogue so at the end of the film everything cuts to black and it's a biopic about real people and they say Bill Gates went on to, yes, you know, yeah. found Apple. We're not showing it el anything else. Bill here. Gates went on to found Apple. Yeah, why not? <laughs> that's just one of many inaccuracies that our historical correspondents <laughs> pick up on in this episode. But that's more recent, so that doesn't really <laughs> count. But yeah, that's definitely like, uh, and then this is going to happen. It's like, what? Well, just show the thing. Like, yeah. if you want people, like, I get, like, they could have at least been, if they were trying to like hook people in, they could have been a bit more like. They could have been a bit more subtle, I guess, just plainly being like, and they're going to be enemies for the rest of the manga. Like, I thought that was a bit weird. So, thank, I mean, I think that's a good place. I think to... that's uh, we've covered it pretty much. Um, so there's one more point of business I would like to do, and that is a YouTube comment. It's a very comment heavy episode this week. Um, and this is a comment on a recent short that I just want to give this person a shout out um, because their comment made my day. So I'm so I had to translate this to English uh, via the native YouTube app because yep. it was in a foreign language which I can't identify. Um, so the comment reads, "Brother, I can create a short from the by podcast, but there are no views. There is no AUR. There is no subscriber gain. There is some help. Please do." Um, so to whoever that guy is, we don't know what we're doing either. No, <laughs> um, so just throw shit at the wall until something sticks. Absolutely. So good luck with that one. 
um we also we we got a, we got an actually like quite engaged comment on the la- on the short that landed today as well yep yep we did uh just kind of getting across they enjoyed the comic that the short was about which yeah I appreciated. so it said it's a really good one-off story seeing spidey and his villains old and you know what i disagree with you um tombo underscore 91 but thank you for writing in it was good seeing those characters old it just unfortunately was not a well-written or drawn <laughs> comic to depict that yeah absolutely. for anyone wondering it was spider-man rain and it was the the short that came out very recently, which was basically about how Mary Jane got offed by Spider-Man's radioactive semen. Yeah. So not a great story in terms of plots and <laughs> revelations. And, uh, we'll cover it at some point. Yeah, yeah. We'll do it. Uh, we've got a, we will have a Spider-Man episode coming up very soon because the Madam Web film is coming oh, out. And, don't. Oh, we'll have to do more fucking Spider-Man. So I was going to present this as options. Either we do a really bad one because the Madam Web film is meant to be horrific mm. or we do similar to what we did with Batman and Superman and we do a original first appearance versus modern day. Yeah, you so, pick. <laughs> all right it's going to be one of those two you'll see when the episode comes out is this next week not next week next we've got that's two weeks what are we doing next week well, we, so, we're announcing it now aren't we, we what are, are we announcing doing next it. week i think next week we hadn't actually agreed on this we kind of had well uh, now you're fucking talking about it on air we're gonna have to do it we're doing we? it now it's thor it's immortal thor oh yeah fine we'll do immortal. yeah yeah by alluing of the immortal hulk fame at least for me personally we've talked about the first issue haven't we yes we did the first issue it was good so hopefully there's another Four or five after that. Cool. So we'll, yeah, we'll we'll do. So next week, tune in, in next week for Immortal Thor. Exactly. Thank you for listening. It's a real pleasure to have you here with us. Um, we make shorts. They go on YouTube and TikTok. I really like them. I I I don't see them until Ryan has edited and released them. I look forward to them every week. I think you will too. Comic Glitter and Podcast, TikTok or YouTube, wherever you get your short form content from. I say the shorts basically are like, look how I edited you to look this week. <laughs> <laughs> If you want to get a shout out on the podcast, literally all you need to do is leave a review or a comment somewhere. I love reading them out. It brings me joy. Five star. Yeah. Five star review. But you can say whatever you want and I will read it on air. Yeah. Even better if it's personally offensive to who we are as people. Absolutely. So do that. Go and do that. This is your one call to action for the podcast. Um, Thank you so much for listening and good night. Thank you. Goodbye.